Hey everybody, it's Father Edward Looney here, the host of How They Love Mary. Lent will be here before you know it. Ash Wednesday is March 2nd, and many Catholics like to undertake spiritual reading during the season of Lent, and oftentimes that's in a daily devotional book. If you wish to pray with Mary's messages and listen to her voice and then begin to live them in your life, then A Lenten Journey with Mother Mary that I wrote a few years ago is the perfect book for you. Learn about Mary's many apparitions and the messages she spoke to children and adults alike. You just won't be reading about the apparitions, but you'll be putting into action Mary's message in your own life. A Lenten Journey with Mother Mary is available from Sophia Institute Press or wherever you buy Catholic books. Hello, my name is Father Edward Looney, and you are listening to the podcast, How They Love Mary, and also a crossover with the Mystical City of God in a Year podcast, as I speak today with Brenda Lorena Garcia, who is a stunt woman, an actress, an award-winning philanthropist, a public speaker, and maybe you've seen her on television or in film, and today she's going to speak with us about faith, especially being an actress in Hollywood, and how she incorporates faith into her daily life, and that manner. And also, we got connected because of the Venerable Maria Vagrida and the Mystical City of God. So I'm very excited to have Brenda with us today. So thanks so much for joining me. Father, I'm so honored. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, I saw that you joined the group, the Mystical City of God, in your podcast group. And this is where you know, almost a hundred people right now are discussing this four volume, 2,500 page work of the Blessed Virgin Mary and uh, saw you joined. And then um, we got connected on social media platforms and you sent me this message about kind of your own discovery of the mystical city of God. And I'm just uh, very curious how you first came to know about that work of the Venerable Maria Vagrida. Yeah, it's actually really interesting because I spend a lot of time in silence, believe it or not. I do work in Hollywood, but Hollywood has a lot of noise, and a lot of people embrace that. But as someone that likes to draw close to God, I know I can't in the middle of all that noise. So I like to take time away, uh, spend time in silence, and uh, hang out with some friends, which are local monks at the nearby abbeys <laughs> and monasteries and sister friends as well. And where I like to do silent retreats. And um, I've always had a desire to get closer to certain saints. And I was always drawn to the mystics. And one of my brother friends, friar friends, uh, recommended the mystical city of God. And actually a laywoman that I did the spiritual exercises of St. Ignatius of Loyola actually recommended the mystical city of God to me as well. So that was like a double confirmation that I need to check this work out. And sure enough, um, I came, you know, I was gifted the book. And then I came across your podcast not too much longer later. And here we are today. What a gift. 
Yeah, so when you encountered the work and these people were recommending it to you, did you pick up the abridged version that is the one volume kind of condensed? And now I'm doing the full four volumes, so it's a bit different, but uh, at the same time, uh, very enriching with everything that's contained therein. Yeah, yeah. So I got what I was given, right? So they ended up giving me the abridged version. I was very thankful. I didn't even know. At least at that moment, I don't believe I knew that there was four volumes. I think they told me like the next day. By the way, there's four volumes. This is just like the abridged version. I was like, wow, this big old thing is the okay. And sure enough, yeah. So that's what I, yep, that's what I was gifted is the abridged version. And had you started to make your way through that book already? Have you begun reading the abridged version yourself? Um, just actually not necessarily like in a formal way, just kind of skimmed through uh, bit by bit, uh, bit by bit, because once I found this podcast and I traveled out here for work, I started to follow your version, which is through the audio, because I felt this is going to be probably more enriching since it is the full version. Um, and I'll get to the abridged version when I get some time on the side, hopefully. Yeah, I know for myself, actually, I've only read straight through the first volume uh, up to like page 286. And in the recordings I've already done, I've now surpassed that. So I'm the furthest I've ever read in the mystical city of God, but uh, I have spot read other places. So I read, um, you know, the Annunciation, for example. I read different key moments. Uh, I, I would do some research sometimes about the biographies these mystical biographies that have been given. And I wanted to see, well, are there similarities? What do they say? How old was Joseph? So I would like research and spot read, but I've never read all four volumes, you know, in their entirety. So I'm very much personally looking forward to the project and where the rest of the year will take me in this regard. And I am so excited to embark that journey too, because like, I'm listening as I'm listening to the podcast. Sometimes I'm on the road or I'm getting ready and I'm listening and I'm like, what? Adam was age 33. This is so cool. Like I'm finding out all these new things that I'm just like, this is so awesome. I'm so thankful. I discovered this. I mean, the Lord put this in my path for sure. Yeah, and one of the things, you know, to mention, I would say is that, you know, not everything probably in the mystical city of God is empirically verified. It's not, you know, we don't have complete certainty that everything she presents is right. And well, one of, one of the interesting things, and I gave a paper on this at a conference one time, was that as I was looking at, you know, uh, Venerable Maria Vagrida and Blessed Anne Catherine Emmerich and talking about their different works mm -hmm. on the biography of Mary, they had conflicting data. Like they said, Mary, you know, what age did Mary die? And I'm not going to give you the exact answer because I don't remember what they wrote. But, you know, let's say Venerable Maria Vagradis said she died at 64. And then Anne Catherine Emmerich said she died at 72. And so you have conflicting reports even between the different mystical biographies. So, But I think what we can take away from the mystical city of God or any mystical biography of that matter is that it's giving us things to think about, to meditate on as we go deeper into these things. You know, as we read the mystical city of God, we're going to encounter the hidden years of Jesus. And so there's going to be some things in there that aren't in the scriptures that we can't verify, but it's going to give us something to think about, especially of those hidden years or the different experiences of Mary and Joseph as they fled into Egypt, for example. So, so there's a lot there for us to think about and, uh, and to, to really uh, come to understand the great mysteries that are presented.
Amen to that. Thank you for that. So, uh, you know, I know that there was actually a film about the the Venerable Maria of Agreda that was filmed. Um, I think it was made down in San Angelo, Texas. And there's actually a story that that Maria of Agreda bilocated. So she was in her monastery in Agreda, Spain, and she bilocated for whatever reason, to San Angelo, Texas. And she taught the, I think they're called the Junto Indians, and uh, she taught them about the faith, and they called her the Lady in Blue. And I was at a conference in honor of the Lady in Blue down in San Angelo and was, um, you know, w- became aware of the fact that they filmed this. And uh, and so I haven't actually seen the finished product, and I asked one of my friends who lived down there if that ever, like, came to completion, of course, because COVID uh, impacted everything. Um, But Mm -hmm. you are an actress. You work in Hollywood. So how did you arrive in uh, that world? By location? (laughs) I'm kidding. No, like, honestly, this is a great question because I had no connections to Hollywood. I grew up in Los Angeles and... um, I was born and raised actually in LA County and I always wanted to work in Hollywood in TV and films, all that media stuff. And because I didn't have any connections growing up at all, I thought I'm just going to go to school and, you know, take the ordinary path. So I ended up studying journalism. And so I ended up working as a reporter for a little bit of time. And, um, in that, path as I was still studying for my master's and working um, in the news media, I ended up coming across um, some people who work in Hollywood and I was basically like scouted or discovered basically to make the long story short. And uh, yeah, these persons, one person in particular introduced me to her dad and I got into stunts that way. And that's how I basically started to work in Hollywood, which has been such a blessing. What are some of the films you've been in or some of the shows that you've been in? Anything that the common person may have already watched or seen? Yeah, a lot of people heard of Hawaii Five-0, Lethal Weapon, Transformers, Baywatch movie, Avatar 2, uh, Bird Box with Sandra Bullock, Ant-Man and the Wasp, um, Suicide Squad, Eternals. There's just a, a number of things. It's been uh, such a blessing. So, uh, yeah, it's been a journey. And I'm also starring in something um, for the first time as an actress. And it's alongside Daniel Moncada, who is uh, one of the lead characters in Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul. So I'm super excited about that. Well, that's great. And whatever that is, you know, I'll look forward to seeing it. And hopefully through social media, I'll see your posts and, you know, I'll tune in on whatever platform or wherever it is and and, uh, take that show in for sure. Now, you mentioned that you're a stunt woman. And so Mm -hmm. tell us what a stunt woman is, because we hear about that, I think, as people that watch television shows, we know that there are stunt doubles, especially maybe for riskier scenes. But how does that play out as a film is being produced and filmed? Yeah. So basically, it's kind of as the, you know, and so when there's a, a part, a line in the movie where there's some action involved, some sort of 
sport component or level of danger, etc. Some sort of action, athletic thing that is required. Uh, they'll usually fill in with a stunt double, and that's where people like myself come into play. And they get us into hair, makeup, wardrobe. They basically dress us up just like the actor or actress. And we do the part that we're asked to do. And, uh, yeah, obviously there's different processes for that. It really depends on what the stunt is. Um, there's different types of stunts that different stunt performers would do, right? And But generally speaking, this would be the ordinary process. So you do a lot of work in Hollywood and films being uh, produced these days. And I, I think a lot of times we can look at Hollywood and we can think it's a very secular world. But yet there are a lot of people, a lot of faith-based individuals who are working in Hollywood and such. So how do you allow your Catholic faith to inform your Hollywood life? And uh, what impact does you know, Catholicism have on that for you? Thank you. That's a great question. I, you know, I, I hope to encounter more Catholics in Hollywood. That would be awesome um, for the sake of community. Um, I center my life as best I can around my faith. My faith comes first every morning throughout the day and at the end of the night. And I basically just, you know, offer myself up to the Lord every day and ask him to grant me the grace and the strength to live out the witness he desires for me to live out on a day-to-day basis. And so that's how I, that's how I try, um, yeah, as often as I, as I can remember to recall to pray because I'm a, I'm a cooperator with Opus Dei. And so St. Jose Maria Escriva teaches us that every moment can be sanctified. Every, every opportunity at work can be sanctified. And so when I have the grace to remember these opportunities to pray for those graces, um, that God may sanctify the moment, um, that is what I, I realize that there's such a great blessing in every opportunity of the day to, you know, evangelize and to have a holy opportunity everywhere. I'm going to guess that Mass is very important to you, whether that's daily Mass, uh, but Sunday Mass too. I, I don't know if they film on Sundays for, for shows or whatever, but but I, I'm sure that's kind of a non-negotiable. So how do you work around that uh, as you you know maybe have conflicting call times that might not necessarily allow you to get to Mass at a time you might want? Believe it or not, the Lord has made it possible every time somehow. I actually go to daily mass every single day. And I, like the other day, I was like, oh my goodness, this is going to be one of those days I might miss daily mass, which obviously is not going to be a big deal because it's not obligated. It's not obligatory to go every day, but I made that commitment several years ago that I would love to put that into my life. And so anyway, I ended up wrapping from set around almost 7 p.m. And the last mass that was available started at 7.30 p.m. for daily mass. It was in Korean, and I still made it, and I still received the Lord. But yeah, so for Sunday, if I if I do happen to work on a Sunday, which sometimes is rare, it's I've been working Saturdays here, um, but if there was a Sunday day of work, I would go to Saturday night vigil mass, um, I definitely have not yet encountered a time where I wasn't able to make it work out. So God's grace has always, thankfully, made it work out so far. 
I remember a story from uh, Father Patrick Payton, who was, you know, a great priest who worked in Hollywood. And there's another priest, too, that um, I've done a lot of study of personally about Father Daniel Lord. And uh, back in the day, in his time, he actually wrote the Hollywood Code of Ethics. Of course, I don't think the Hollywood Code of Ethics exists anymore, kind of went away. But he always was trying to incorporate faith uh, Mm -hmm. into... Hollywood and the lives of the actors and actresses. And Father Patrick Payton, in his autobiography, um, he recounts stories of, you know, running into maybe Bob Hope or Frank Sinatra. And these people had no interest in going to church, but they went to church on Easter Sunday because they said, Father Patrick Payton would want us to go to church on Easter Sunday. So they may not go any other time of the year, but they did that day just because of the influence of that priest uh, in Hollywood. So are there any priests you know that are kind of working alongside Hollywood today? I, I'm not um, thinking of any right now at the top of my head. That's I know there's a few that used to live right there, right across the street from Paramount Picture Studio, like Father Don Wozniki. I have a friend named Father Pontifex. That's his nickname. He, it's a stage name that he takes for his music. Um, he goes by Father Dusty or Father Claude Burns. They're very much involved in media, and I know you are as well. Um, I'm trying to think who, because I'm very involved with Opus Day, but I'm trying to think of people in, in Hollywood. Oh, um, Father Tom Gibbons, I know he's involved. Um, so there are a few. They, sure. They're, they're amazing. But I do love that, that because that is truly powerful, how one person can, the Lord can really work in that person to influence some people to go to Mass, even if it's Christmas or Easter only. Yeah. Now, we got connected because of The Mystical City of God by the Venerable Maria of Agreda. It's this mystical biography really telling us a lot about the Blessed Mother. Mary instructs uh, Maria of Agreda uh, throughout the course of the work. And so what's your relationship with the Blessed Mother like? My hope is that it's significantly better, and I think it is, but I don't believe it's where I would like it to be. Ideally, I'd love to be just like embrace, like knowing I'm embracing her at all times. I feel that way with Jesus. I want that with Mary too. I really want that with Mary too. I think about her way more often than ever before. Um, it's a to Jesus through Mary that I did for the first time ever back in 2017, and I have been renewing it every year in the Feast of the Immaculate Conception. So that has been a huge blessing. My 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 relationship to her has increased, like I mentioned. Um, however, there's so much more room for much more growth. So I do hope for that. And I also did a consecration to St. Joseph, um, too, when that first came out. So that has been a huge blessing to be that much more tied in with the Holy Family and how precious and important it is to have that relationship with them. So the rosary is fairly significant to you, I know. And, you know, there are different apparitions of Our Lady. Now, you are a Latina, so I don't want to jump the gun and say you love Our Lady Guadalupe, but is there a Marian apparition that uh, really has caught your heart? Thank you. Actually, yeah, Our Lady So the Fatima apparition. Um, Interesting. I had, you know, some personal life struggle, tragedy, crisis that I went through, this is before I knew 
our Blessed Mother as I do now. Actually, I didn't even know there was such a thing as a Fatima apparition at the time. That's how ignorant I was in the faith just a few years ago. It was through these life tragedies I went through that actually brought me to this knowledge today, and I couldn't be more thankful. But what I'm why I say this is because the day I and I went through this hardship uh, was October 13th of a few years ago. And so it wasn't until maybe a few months later that epiphany came to me like, wait, because I'm starting to get closer to our Lord, our Blessed Mother and St. Joseph that time. And I'm like, wait, that was the day this, this thing happened. And well, so I started to feel like there was something there. And I started to get closer to that message. And I'm very thankful because I know St. John Paul II truly promotes that message of reparation and the promotion of the daily rosary through Our Lady of Fatima. Sure. So I'm also, I'm also a member of the Holy Rosary Confraternity, too. So I just thought I'd put that out there. You belong to everything. Huh? So, <laughs> But that's how uh, Our Lord and Our Lady has uh, captured your heart. And, and, you know, joining these little groups, you know, the Confraternity of the Holy Rosary, well, kind of holds you accountable. You know other people. You might pray the rosary, feel compelled to pray the rosary with other people. So there's all good things that are happening when when you become involved with Opus Dei or the confraternity or, you know, visiting monks or nuns or whatever the case might be. There's always, you know, God is giving all these graces to you and, and you're just kind of uh, um, reaping them all together and, you know, making the most of all that God is offering you. Yeah, amen. I am definitely trying, and I do appreciate all the prayers. Um, what matters to me most is that obviously all the glory be given to God, and that whatever it is I'm doing is what He wants me to do, and it's pleasing to Him, and it's helping others. Um, that is my offering, and what I make my sacrifice for is to be the best version of me I can for Him, and live exactly as He would want me to. One of the things when we talked about the mystical city of God earlier is that you mentioned that, you know, it was recommended by different uh, priests in your life. And and so uh, now you're listening to the full version through the mystical city of God in your podcast. So I'm wondering what are some of your hopes or things you hope to take away? Or maybe is there something that you're like, I have this burning question that I hope Maria of Agreda addresses uh as we make our way through the four volumes? Thank you. That's a wonderful question. For me, I I try not to have expectations of anything in life. That's what keeps me like always, I don't know, kind of more excited about things and curious. But I guess I do hope that I'm just going to have more revelations through her. All the things that she reveals, it's going to draw me deeper and closer to the mysteries of the life of our Blessed Lord, our Blessed Mother, and St. Joseph. Because like you were mentioning, it's going to help us ponder and think about some things. And should there be truths in this, which I do believe in a lot mm-hmm. of it, uh-huh. um, best believe I'm going to be so much more aware of what's good and what's bad. And I better stay away from the bad. And I'm saying this because I hold myself accountable. And this is why I seek the community. It's why we have each other. It's because that's what we are trying to. We're trying to reach heaven together. And the best way is through all these prayers and enlightening ourselves and enriching ourselves with these holy readings. I've been very moved by the different people who have reached out, those who have joined the little Facebook group, 
others who have sent me messages privately just about kind of what God is doing in their life already. And we're only in volume one. We're in the first quarter of this year, and we have lots more to read and to digest. And so uh, I think God's going to do a lot uh, through it. And I'm happy that, you know, I felt very compelled to do it, which I believe was a call from God. And so that's why I'm responding to that call. So that, uh, um, you know, I... Uh, as I shared in the little intro to um, the the podcast series, was that you know I was praying for my mother that she wouldn't have her leg amputated through Solanus Casey, who promoted reading it, and so I felt like I just owed it to Solanus Casey to uh, you know spread Maria Vagrida, and I I have had a little devotion to Maria Vagrida, so I thought I owed it to her as well, and so that's why I'm doing this project, and uh, you know it's brought people like you. Uh, into my life to have this conversation today. Wow, thank you. And I actually wanted to thank you, too, for taking that call. I do believe you were definitely called for this, especially having that Marian background. I I don't think you'd be the same if that wasn't the case. Like, I need someone to help um, unwrap that for me and help explain what's going on. And you do a great job, Father. So I super appreciate you. Well, thanks for that. And, uh, <laughs> You know, one of the things I should say, and, you know, I hope this isn't a spoiler, and I hope people don't, like, I hope they're not disappointed in this, but, you know, when you're doing a project like this, it's really hard to do prep work in advance, and so as I'm reading, I have a pen in hand, and I'll put an asterisk or a check mark or something, and that's how I know what I want to talk about in the, you know, five-minute commentary afterwards, but all of those remarks are completely unscripted, they're off-the-cuff um, that I'm giving. So, um, I, that's awesome. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt. I'm just like, that's great because it's the Holy spirit working through you. Like if it was scripted, I feel like, you know, Fulton Sheen would say the same thing. He's, he could have something scripted or he could talk from the heart and sure enough, the Holy spirit just moved through him. He, he was so powerful. He is powerful. So, uh, Brenda, I'm very grateful that uh, we were able to connect. You were able to talk a little bit about your life in Hollywood, other things you've done. Um, so if people want to find you, I know you're on social media. You're probably mm-hmm. on IMBD. Um, how can people learn more about you and the great work you're doing in Hollywood as an actress and stunt woman? Yeah, thank you, Father. Um you guys can find me on Instagram. My handle is at Brenda L. Garcia. So L as in my middle initial for Lorena, Brenda L. Garcia. My Twitter is similar. It's like Brenda, it's at Brenda L. Garcia with an X at the end. That's supposed to symbolize a cross. And my, my Facebook, my public Facebook page is facebook.com slash official Brenda Garcia. And yeah, I'm, you could just find my IMDb by Googling my name and you can find a bunch of other things there as well. I appreciate you so much, Father. Well, that's great. I'm going to check out some of these things you've been in and uh, <laughs> see if I can identify the stunt woman in action. Yes, yes. It's always exciting when I see my name at the end of the credits or there's something, I don't know, it's just, it's really cool. I really do. I appreciate what the Lord has given me. So all the glory to him. Thanks for listening to today's show. I hope that my conversation with today's guest was one that enriched you spiritually and also helped you to foster a deeper love for the Blessed Virgin Mary. If you enjoyed this podcast, could you do me a favor? Go over to Apple Podcasts and rate and review the podcast so that others might find it as a recommended podcast 
from other Catholic podcasts that they might listen to. And if you don't mind, share about the show on social media so that your friends and family might come to find it and be enriched by our conversations as well. And if you don't mind, you can follow me on social media at FR Edward Looney on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. And this show, How They Love Mary, will soon be a book available from Sophia Institute Press. You can already go over to their website and pre-order How They Love Mary. Thanks so much for listening. May God bless you today. Know of my prayers for you. And may Mary pray for you today and always.